Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome again to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell, and uh, Tracy Reynolds and I are honored uh, each week to have conversations with people from all over the world and, and so many different friends we have met through this, uh, but also friends that we have met in other times and places that we're able to have conversations with. And speaking of friends, uh, Tracy, you are such a great friend, and, and oh, I love uh, opportunities mm. that I'm able to spend with you. So hello to you, Tracy, as we say hello to our audience and to today's <laughs> guest. Thank you, Chris. I love you, buddy. Uh, any any time I get to have with Chris Maxwell, by the way, and it's usually really early in the morning, guys, is mm-hmm. good time. So today we have, uh, I'm making a new friend, uh, and I love it when, when Chris introduces me to some of his friends from different backgrounds. And Shauna Scott is she's a seminary trained speaker. She's an award winning writer. Yeah, you went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and I mean graduated in the last several years. Uh, she's passionate about creating content that equips and inspires others towards well soul living. I like those three words. Learning how to have a well soul. She and her husband, Jason, live in Indianapolis, Indiana. They have three beautiful children. I think it's two boys and a girl. Uh, She serves in the local church. She blogs. She speaks and produces a weekly podcast called Well So Podcast. I've listened to two or three of those. um, And you've been doing this over a year. And and so we love what you're doing there. I remember it's about scripture reading and reflection and prayer and the Lord speaking to our hearts. And you say the goal is to refresh your souls at the well of living water that never runs dry. So Chris and I are honored to have Shauna Scott with us today. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you. It is so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, it's been great each time that you and I have met and had conversations. We've, we've shared meals together and uh, at the Evangelical Press Association convention. And, um, and each time um, that we have those moments, we're sitting at a table around other people and there's so many stories and then we just look at each other and begin asking questions. And so uh, Tracy and I uh, want to just ask you a few questions and let you take it from there and just tell us uh, your story of just learning to live this walk uh, that you talk about and write about. Yeah, so my experience is different than most of those that I know in Christian leadership in that I did not grow up in a religious home. Um, I was, but I was always innately attracted to spiritual realities and possibilities, even at four years old. Uh, my first real spiritual encounter was I prayed and asked. I didn't even know how to pray, but I just asked, "Is is there a God and is He real?" And um, that night, whether it was a dream or a vision, I don't know, but a presence was in my room, and it was a figure and overwhelmingly filled my room with love and light. Um, And I knew from that point on at four years old that there was a God. And so I really believe that seed of there is a reality beyond my reality uh, grew into a curiosity for even deeper spiritual things. I tried everything as an adolescent. 
um, the Ouija board, you know, going to every church kind of service I could go to. Um, I had Jewish friends and Muslim friends and Mormon friends and Catholic friends and Protestant friends that if they invited me to go to a religious service, I was there. Um, And then at about 13 years old, I really wanted to know what was really true. So, um, and I also was involved, started experimenting with drugs and alcohol with my friends and realized the path I was going down was not a path I wanted. And I wanted to reinvent myself. (laughs) And the only way to do that in junior high, I felt like, was to get out of Dodge. Mm. So I asked my parents to send me somewhere. I said, I didn't tell them about the drug abuse or anything, but I told them I wanted um, to re- to to find myself. Um, and out of all the places they sent me, they sent me to rural Pennsylvania to live with my aunt and my uncle there. And so I grew up in Los Angeles. So imagine this big city girl going to rural Pennsylvania. I really believe it was my first cross-cultural ministry <laughs> experience Except I was the one that was going to be ministered to. And the girl down the road was this. And I I started my first semester of high school in rural Pennsylvania. And the girl down the road, I walked onto the bus the first day, totally awkward. You know, unibrow, full face of braces, just totally awkward. And this most gorgeous model-like junior, you know, homecoming queen type, invited me to sit with her. Wow. And so I went into the back of the bus. She, I sat with her and she just loved on me. And she was that person of peace, that welcoming place to land in my awkwardness and in my spiritual search. And she invited me to go horseback riding. And I did not know. And, and, I, and I apologize in advance, but this is what I <laughs> felt like in that age I didn't know it was with her really dorky friends. (laughs) And we went on this ride and I got bucked off my horse. And literally the dorkiest guy in the group who wore like typical Coke bottle glasses immediately got off his horse and gave me his calm horse. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know, but there was something different because I had so much fun with those few kids more fun than I ever had getting high with my friends back home. And I wanted to know what was different about these people. And that night we went to spend the night at her sister's college, like duplex dorm. And literally I'm walking up the stairs to the dorm and it was a duplex. Half of the side of the duplex, I could smell the wafting marijuana. And then the other half of the duplex, we go And they are sitting around a campfire singing worship songs. Wow. And it literally was like a cartoon, cartoon split screen, where the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time, put into my mind, you have tried all of this and you're hungry for the reality beyond this. Why don't you try this? And, you know, it's just like trying alcohol or trying drugs. Let let me ask them what this thing is about and try it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go try something else. So that night I asked my new friend, my beautiful model new friend, as we laid in sleeping bags on a hard wooden floor, like, what? why are you guys so different? And she explained the gospel to me. And I know that 
I had probably smaller than a mustard seed of Mm. faith. But God took that mustard seed from fall of uh, 1994 and has grown it. He has done the work in me all these years. So that was really where my faith was birthed, and it's been a wild, crazy ride since. What a beautiful story. (laughs) Wow. Well, I love that it was the fragrance of Christ in someone else. It was your experience in the love of God. As Paul would talk about, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, but you're not even knowing. What, what, what is the difference? Uh, I think that is mm-hmm. so biblical. That is so the way that, that Jesus would have us live, where people encounter Jesus and don't even know they're encountering Jesus. Uh, what a beautiful thing. Well, so you're in, at that point, you're in high school, uh, and mm-hmm. you're in a new environment. How did you grow? How did, how did you move from there to, uh, to the next step? That's a great question. Um, one thing she failed to do, my new friend failed to do, was disciple me. So um, sh- she was in a tradition that it was very heavy on evangelism, but then she expected my life to just be changed. I never was taught about baptism or any of the spiritual disciplines, um, but I hung out with her and I became what you know what some might think as Jesus freak, you know, zealous without knowledge. Um, And then I went back home about six months later, um, and that first night, um, my brother, who had actually introduced me to marijuana use, um, told me, like, you're still cool, right? Like, we can still hang, you still smoke pot, like, we're we're cool, right? And what teenager doesn't want to be cool? So that first night, I, I got high again. And then the next six months was this spiritual battle, and I'm not understating that because um, when I was high, I would I would almost see um, like evil spirits, um, and and I really felt a battle for my soul. And every night I would go to sleep and cry and tell God sorry for getting high today, and ask Him for the strength not to get high tomorrow. Um, and then one day, um, I wanted to obey and follow God just maybe me a mustard seed more than I wanted to get high. And that was really where I found freedom was in wanting to obey him and follow him more than I wanted the other thing. And that started totally shifting my life because then I became hungry for wanting to know the Bible. I became hungry for wanting to be around Christians. And then I finally in high school had to, in my new high school, had to decide to give up all of my friends and pursue Christ. So um, I ended up going to a different high school because I told my parents I just could not hang. <laughs> and so for my first part of my sophomore year of high school, I had absolutely zero friends, cried myself to sleep every night, um, and asked the Lord to send me friends. Wow. And by the end of my 10th grade, I had godly Christian friends, and I was in a youth group, and I grew in then being able to explore my spiritual gifts. I, I got a family beyond my family in this youth group, and there they saw, that youth group leader saw my spiritual gifting of leadership and started giving me opportunities to lead my peers, and that's where I really discovered who I am in Christ and my gifting. Mm. Boy, that's so good. Well, now just continue the story from there to where you are now. Sure. Um, So I finished high school, and in high school, I learned about my spiritual gifting, uh, led my my peers on mission trips to Venezuela and Mexico, and really saw uh, 
God used me in speaking and influencing my peers and others towards relationships in, to Christ. Um, and so I really thought I was going to go into ministry um, and wanted to go to a Christian college. And of course, my parents couldn't afford it. And they said, you know, go to the state school, we'll pay for it. So I did. Um, and I couldn't find Christian community on campus. Um, I only found one Christian club. And looking back, it was definitely a cult. So I started, but I also started getting um, uh, <laughs> worldly attention from the opposite sex that I had never experienced before. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, so I kind of went down a wobbly path, um, got involved in the Greek system on campus, and then um, got, a, got a boyfriend who wasn't following with the Lord. And then that boyfriend broke up with me and it just spiraled me into this deep depression. Uh, and I told the Lord, I will go back to church, but you have to send me to a church that will not judge me. And he ended up leading me to um, Shepherd of the Hills in uh, Porter Ranch, California, which I still consider as my home um, all these years later. And there, they, the pastor there, Pastor Caleb, um, the college pastor, embraced me for who I was then. He didn't, he, he loved me for me unconditionally, but then he gave space and almost like you do, Chris, you know, asking good questions, he he asked me good questions and slowly my relationship with the Lord grew because of a place of unconditional love, not a place of religion. Um, and it was him who said, you know, I think you're gifted for vocational ministry. And it was Pastor Caleb that opened the door for my first position in that church, was, which was organizing special events. I went to college for public relations and realized I did not want a career in public relations, <laughs> but how could I use those skills for ministry? And um, I ended up about four years putting on major big events, community-wide events, 40,000 people for 4th of July, and, and learning how to build community um, for ministry. And then from that, um, I actually went back to my passion for missions, which is where I first experienced my spiritual gifts, um, and coordinated missions for another four years for that church um, until my first son was born. Um, and he was born with a major medical problem, so I had to quit working altogether just to take care of him. Hmm. Wow. So interject somewhere in there, you met your husband. Uh, at yes. this point. So that's, that's some, I bet that's the whole of the story. And Jason's his name, right? Yes, Jason. He is absolutely wonderful. So Jason was the children's pastor, or one of the children's pastors at the church that we served okay. at, both in ministry. Um, and uh, my biggest hurdle in marrying him <laughs> was that he was a children's pastor. Um, <laughs> I... I knew if I if I got married, I was okay not being married because I was called to ministry and I did not want anything to veer me from that. Mm. But if I married, I wanted to marry someone just as uh, fervent and passionate about serving the Lord in everything mm. that we do. Um, and he is that, absolutely. But I do not connect well with children. Now, I try my best to connect with my own, of course. But um, And one of my mentors said... Um, is he the kind of man that you can follow and partner with the rest of your life? And I said, absolutely. And she gave me the wise words and she said, job positions change, um, mm -hmm. but his character and who he is, is, is what you're committing to. 
So we got married and literally <laughs> about 18 months after our son was born, he came home one day and was like, I don't think the Lord wants me to do this anymore. And I'm like, oh, so funny. Like, I thought I married a forever children's pastor. And then we came to a crossroad where we're like, okay, now what's the Lord calling us to? And both of us really thought it was to be international missionaries because that's that was my passion. I still care so deeply about cross-cultural missions. And he went on, Jason, I've been to China twice. And at that time, you shared the gospel and it was like pulling fruit quickly off a tree. It's like so many people were coming to the Lord and I wanted to be a part of this and I wanted to help. And, and so he went on a vision trip. And while he was gone, the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to my heart and said, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is not it. And the strange thing was, I thought he was going to come home and be like, let's pack our bags. But he came home and said, I'm sorry, honey, but the Holy Spirit told me we are not supposed to go. And so we just laughed and we're like, praise the Lord. He put us on the same page. But then the big question was, well, then what? Because God was calling him out of the children's ministry, and we had no idea to what. Yeah. And we had dear Pastor Caleb came over for dinner and asked him point blank, what is the one thing you must do with your life? If there was nothing mm-hmm. else you could do, what is the one thing you must do? That's and my husband question. analyzes. It is such a good question. And my husband analyzes it. And so I stopped him. I said, don't analyze. <laughs> What was the first thing that came to your mind? And he said, preach and teach the word. And I said, okay, well, then what's the next step? And he looked at me and said, go to seminary. And I laughed because he's a children's pastor. We are broke. (laughs) How are we going to pay to live and to go to seminary full time? So I said, from my mouth to God's ears, If the Lord provides, we will go. And we just took the first step and applied. He got in. Next step, applied for scholarship. And he got this, you know, $1,000 first month scholarship. But that scholarship application, the Lord, by his power and his provision, moved the application to different groups. And I don't even know how it happened. But we got this random call on a Wednesday that his full seminary experience at Dallas Theological Seminary was going to be paid for in full. Wow. Mm. Beautiful. Love it. So we left. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, And then, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I was going to say, uh, the love for the Word of God. I, I noticed now mm-hmm. he's a discipleship pastor, and uh, a lot mm-hmm. like you, I'm I'm good with children except for my grandkids for about five minutes, and it's all smoking. Now, my <laughs> wife is the exact opposite of that, but we share a love for the Word of God and helping people yes. to uh, embrace the relationship with Jesus and those things that help further that, which I, I sense mm-hmm. from you that's a very dominant part. It's part of what your ministry is. So how did the Lord move the both of you guys in that direction? Great question. Um, so about two years into Jason's seminary journey, I was sitting in church and um, asking the Lord if I should audit classes at Dallas Theological Seminary because I was there and I had our second child and he was old enough now. Um, And the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to my heart in that moment to apply, not audit. 
And so mm-hmm. that sent us on, and I asked my husband on the way home, I'm like, I think the Holy Spirit said, apply to seminary. And he laughed and he said, I've been telling you that for two years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did apply because my husband has always been, he's convicted that God's going to hold him accountable for me using my gifts and following my calling just as much as his. Um, and he's been true to that from the day we married. So uh, he wanted me to get equipped as well. And so um, we went on this journey of me doing seminary, excuse me, part-time while he was doing seminary full-time. And um, when he graduated, we were at another crossroads of, okay, Lord, we've obeyed you. Really, our story is a story of obedience, just listening to the Lord and obeying, listening to the Lord and obeying. And okay, we we obeyed you in in the seminary step, what's next? And um, if I'm completely honest, the Lord had us in a waiting room for three years, And um, there was a lot of doubt in those three years of, God, are you there? Are you listening? You prepared us. What did you prepare us for? Um, My mom died at the end of Jason's um, seminary um, residency. And so we had my inheritance and we were living off of my inheritance, literally in God's waiting room for three years. Um, But during that time, I was finishing seminary and discovering my call a very clear passion and call to write for ministry. Um, that is the one thing I must do, which is write. Mm-hmm. Well, as I'm listening to this story, I'm thinking about the many people who are also listening. And uh, mm-hmm. we, need to, we need to finish this, this episode, and we'll let you pick up here and then give us some good suggestions and guidelines in our next, in our next episode for those who are kind of in that this is where we are now. We know we are where we are supposed to be, but how do we endure this and what do we do next? I mean, we all know so many people that are in that place, that place of tension. Okay, I've obeyed the Lord. What do I do now? Do I, how do I continue mm-hmm. this when I feel like giving up? And how do I take these, these um, next steps that the Lord is directing me to take? So, I just love listening to your yes. story, and, and I'm looking forward to our next episode. And all those who are listening, um, I, I want you to, to remember what you've heard today, these steps that, that she's been willing to take, and think about the steps that you need to take and work to make sure you have the right people around you, the right voices that you're listening to, so that your next steps can be your best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, a weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you joined us. You can find us on your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Tracy Reynolds' new book, Second Chair Leadership, How to Serve, Thrive, and Lead from Where You Play, is available now at ctracyreynolds.com or Amazon. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their musical releases at casualamericans.com or your favorite music supplier. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.